Hi, everybody. Welcome to Detox Podcast. This is episode 47. Uh, it's called Insomnia. <laughs> and yeah, it's summertime here in Edmonton. I apologize if you can hear construction noise, if you can hear thunderstorm noise, because both construction and the thunderstorm are happening right now as we speak. Um, I like to think of construction as kind of an external representation of ourselves. Uh, I know that construction can be pretty frustrating, but it is a vital part of sustaining our society, right? Things wear down, things need to be developed, redeveloped, refurbished. It just, it's necessary. It's, it's inconvenient, but it's necessary. Just like the work that we do on ourselves, there's parts of us that get worn down and we need to build them up and it might not be the most convenient thing to have to do, but it's well worth it in the end. We become stronger and better and bigger because of it. That's what I like to tell myself. <laughs> it lets me feel a little less critical about construction, um, especially when it's on my very building and is very disrupt disruptive. Um, but not everything is perfectly convenient in life. Most things aren't. We have to learn to roll with the punches or succumb to the beating. <laughs> um, so I've started teaching meditation at Lucid Yoga, and I'll be there on Sunday nights. Uh, Sunday nights at 8 p.m. It's a really wonderful time. It's still beautiful and sunny outside, uh, but it's getting ready for the work week ahead. You know, it's a really good time to tune in, uh, go inside a little bit and just um, center ourselves before the busyness begins. So all classes at Lucid right now are donation only. It's pay what you can. You can pre-register online um, or you can just show up with cash, whatever you want. And yeah, so Sundays, 8 p.m. You'll find me there. It's so much fun. Um... That's all I have to tell you. <laughs> Normally, I feel like I rattle on with a bunch of, a whole list of stuff to tell you, but that's pretty much it. So we're just going to jump right on into this little guy here. It's called Insomnia, and it goes like this. Here we go. Merry-go-round. Fate takes the helm and spins. G-force pins me to the metal. I'm helpless. Fate's head tips backward. Her lips curl wide as she brays into the wind. The colors whirl by me, familiar. All these places I've been before. Blur hues of hell. Please don't stop here. I beg of fate. Please don't stop. So I really, um, I really imagined like a really creepy playground when I was writing this. Um, and one of those like old-fashioned merry-go-rounds. Like not just, like not like a carousel, but... Just one of those sort of metal things where, you know, you'd sit on it with your friends and, like, some other hell-raising friends would, would grab the outsides and run around in a circle and spin you as fast as you could. And honestly, the point was, like, to try to get you to fly off of the thing. Um, so I pictured myself, like, back on that with this creepy figure named Fate is the is my 
quote-unquote friend who's spinning me around at a ridiculous rate trying to get me to fly off. And she's having the time of her life trying to get me to, to fly off into some hell. And everything that's passing by me as I'm spinning on this thing is just places I've been before that are awful. So when it comes to recovery, it's just like this spectrum, this myriad of shit. Like, um, of course, um, acute withdrawal feelings of the like night sweats, insomnia, inability to focus, irritability, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, but even deeper than that, going into things like really deep depression or self-loathing, um, feelings of the world is against me, feelings of doom, feelings of betrayal, uh, really um, intense perceptions that everything outside of me is working against me and that people can see through me, they can see the dark, deep shit that's there and... Um, and they're judging me for it, you know, and they're like, look at her acting like everything's fine, but we can, we can see the truth. We can see just how bad she is. And I can see all of those states of being, fear, isolation, panic, terror, hopelessness, active addiction, all of it spinning spinning around, hate, anger, these states of being where I am not my best self. You know, I'm acting from a place of deep emotional hurt and pain, and I'm hurting the people around me. And all of these things are spinning by me, and I could stop. I could fly off at any moment, even if, even if she were to stop spinning. And I didn't fly off, even if we stopped and I was in line with one of those really terrible feelings, mental states, that's where I would end up. And it felt like this wheel of fortune that was going on. We took a spin and whatever you got was what you got. And I had no say. It felt very um, out of my control. So... I'm begging, I'm begging fate not to stop. And even the whirling, even the whirling past all of this and I feel sick and trapped, even the whirling of all of this spinning by me, even the possibility is better than stopping. Even this out of control feeling is better than stopping. And that definitely goes back to uh, feelings of being out of control and what that's like. And in some instances, it's really terrifying. Like when you are in an active addiction, it feels incredibly out of control. You, you essentially aren't in control. There's a very primal part of you that is running the show at this point. And that's not, that's not the essence of you, you know? Like that's not your true self, your highest self calling the shots. That's something much deeper, much darker. And um, 
that can be a very terrifying thing. And in a sense, that was preferable to actually being in pain. You know, that's why I drank for so many, so many years, unbeknownst to me at the time, because I did such a good job of covering it up. But there was um, definitely, definitely uh, these things inside of me that I'd never addressed, these pains, these emotional hurts that I never addressed. And they were just residing deep within me. And as more came on throughout life, I was already in active addiction. So they just got swept under the rug without even, like, they didn't even come to the receptionist, you know? They didn't even check in. They just got ushered into the back room once they arrived, you know? And I didn't even know where they were there. Suddenly, you open the door and you have a hundred house guests that you didn't even, you didn't even invite and you didn't know arrived, and suddenly you have to entertain them. So that, that out of control, out of control seemed to be preferable to the actual knowing and the actual sitting in the pain, the escapism was what was happening. And now, being in the absolute flow of the universe is also um, a type of out-of-controlness. It can feel very scattered and, and fleeting. And I'm sorry if you can hear my stomach rumbling. <laughs> but the universe is, is working for your highest good. Addiction and escapism is not working for your highest good. That's the difference here. When you are trusting in the universe and trusting in things working out in your favor, they do. And that can feel very groundless at times. And I'm, I'm definitely leaning into, into embracing the unknown. I just had a conversation with my friend last night about the unknown, and she was saying how um, she feels like her partner might be laid off, but he keeps reassuring her, saying, I just have a feeling everything is going to be fine. We have nothing to worry about. And she's like, I can't understand why you can't be worried. Like, this is terrifying. How are you not worried? And he's like, I don't know. I just, uh, I like not knowing what's going to happen. And she's like, oh man, that's terrifying. Like, I have to know what's going to happen. And, um, you know what, I resonated with him. I resonated with his attitude towards it. I'm currently in a situation um, that hopefully in a few weeks I can reveal to you. Um, it's kind of under wraps right now. Um, that I don't really know. I don't, I kind of got swept up in it, you know? And I don't know where it's going. I, I can see it. I can, I can imagine where it's going. But the thing is, is that we never really know, do we? We can, we can see how the path is laid out before us, but it never goes exactly according to plan, right? There's always these strange detours and, and winding aspects and forks in the road and choices that we have to make and people that come in and out and influence everything, um, 
It's such a mystery. Life is always like that. And the more comfortable we can get with the unknown, the better. When we embrace the unknown and the quote-unquote uncontrolled feeling and turn it into something fun. Like we could take this merry-go-round and bring it back to childhood where it was just like screams of absolute joy and bliss. And the act was to get your friends to (laughs) fling off this thing. I mean, I can't believe we didn't kill each other doing this because it's incredibly dangerous. And I honestly think they've ripped them out of all playgrounds now because they're just so dangerous. And I honestly think that people were getting like their legs stuck underneath of them and like really, really injuring themselves. Um, They're just like metal hell contraptions, basically. Playgrounds used to be so intense, you know, like they had the craziest things that were definitely not safe, but... um, But, but that's kind of how we grow. We always do these things um, as humans. We do something until we realize it's not safe. Uh, I've just started watching Chernobyl on Crave. It's an HBO miniseries. Uh, highly recommend. It's so stressful <laughs> because like you know what's happening but the blatant cover-up and denial and, like, just, like, ignorance is so heartbreaking and stressful and infuriating. And I just want to, like, scream at the television as the events are unfolding. (sighs) It's insane. I had to stop after episode two because I was just... uh, (laughs) I'm gonna continue of course it's so good but it's it's just so so intense so intense and um, it really got me thinking about how things don't get implemented until there's like a catastrophic ridiculous accident that occurs like Chernobyl, like these Boeing, um, is it 700 max? Seven max? I forget the number. Um, but that is terrifying to me. These plane crashes that like, they could have so easily been prevented, but, but they weren't. And it ended in catastrophe. There's so many of these things that keep happening, but that's how we progress horrible things happen and then we move forward. It's this weird like non-preventative way of doing things and I don't really know what I'm getting at by talking about that. I just really think it's food for thought that we have these things that we just we don't even think about. You know, we just we just think that everything is fine because it's normal. Everything is fine because it's normal. And isn't that the essence of, like, why we do anything? It's normalized. And there's no reason to think any different because everybody else is doing it. And there's literature literature about safe safety around it and how, you know, oh, it's just, it's just this. We shrug it off. Just like alcohol, right? Like, how many times have you been at a party 
and someone vomits from drinking so much and like their buddy is like oh he's fine he just needed to puke and he's gonna rally and don't worry about him he's totally fine hand him another drink how many times has that narrative played out in your life for me like a hundred million times probably a hundred million times that actually came out of my mouth you know like I said those types of things I just wanted the party to go on forever. I wanted no consequences, you know, and I, I denied all consequences. Hangovers were something to laugh about, you know, it was like this camaraderie. Oh my God, what did we even do last night? Oh my God, I can't even see right now. Let's go, like, let's go have breakfast and like try to piece together the evening. And it was this whole act, this whole charade this play that we would act out every time tired repetitive predictable but i was stuck in it and i guess that's why they come up with this thing called rock bottom hey you have to hit rock bottom in order to in order to get sobriety. Like you can't actually achieve real sobriety unless you experience a catastrophic accident. That's ridiculous. You think the people of Chernobyl and Pripyat had to experience rock bottom in order to achieve health and safety? That's ridiculous. Um... You think that people on those airplanes and the people of the world who were affected, all of their friends and family and loved ones, had to experience this catastrophic loss in order for planes to be safe? That's ridiculous. We should not be operating in this, like, after... We should not be acting in, in the aftermath. We should not be trying to rise from the ashes. The ashes shouldn't exist in the first place. There should be so much education, so much truth into what is actually happening in any dangerous situation. There should not be any sort of corrupt, cover-up narrative that is happening in order to make us unsafe sick it's dangerous it's absolutely reckless and it is costing people their lives obviously in terrible terrible world disasters like airplane crashes and nuclear power plant meltdowns and explosions and terrorist attacks and all these horrible, horrible things that happen all over the world all the time. There has got to be a better way than just cleaning up the debris afterwards. There has got to be a better way. 
And I want to throw it back here to what I mentioned earlier about people seeing through me. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to pause to sneeze there. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I want to go back to where I said before. I said that I was terrified that people saw through me. That was kind of like my constant state of being for, for like three years. I thought that people saw through the very thin veil of falseness that I was putting on everywhere that I went, that I was happy, that I was fine, that I didn't feel like garbage, that I didn't feel like I was dying, like I didn't feel like I was killing myself slowly all the time. Um, this walking, talking, ticking time bomb. You know, so I, I went to the CPR class um, I don't know how long ago that was, but I was definitely in active addiction when I did that. I think it was when I was, oh yeah, I was living with my friend and so it would have been almost five years ago and I didn't really smoke weed back then, but I did the night before, and I drank a ton, and I was, like, brutally hungover in the CPR class, and I couldn't focus. Like, I couldn't... I'm really surprised that I actually passed. Um, for my job, we have to restart every year, so, I mean, it's pretty easy to pass, but <laughs> we do it all the time. Um, but I just, like, I couldn't, like, grasp the questions. I had so much brain fog. I was not, um, I didn't feel like I was the intelligent person that I am, that I know that I am, you know? So my friend, one of my, my best friends at work told me the other day, um, that when she was there, she had her roommate with her. I didn't re realize that he was even there, but her roommate was there. And she told me just recently that he actually warned her about me. He was like, this woman, there's something wrong with her. Like you, like there's a very dark energy about her. Like you should stay away from her. Can you believe that? This, this person that I'd never met felt me, felt the truth of me. And you know what? Like, I feel like most people would be offended by a comment like that, but I felt incredibly seen by it. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, somebody actually knew. Because other than like basically my mom and maybe some of my close friends, Basically, nobody knew. I did a really, really good job of hiding it. My coworkers, like, still to this day, they're like, you know what? No, we didn't know. We had no idea. And they, I, I spend 48 hours a week with those people in a room. Like, I can't believe I didn't just reek of alcohol all the time and, like, gross cold sweats and... You know, like, how did they not know? How did they not see that I was just, like, decaying on the inside? 
And so when she told me that he like picked up on the really deep, dark energy that I had, that I'd been living in, that really low vibe that addiction has, when like I, I felt so seen. I was like, holy shit, this guy, this guy actually knew. And I think that's incredibly cool. Um, and kind of validating in a way, you know, like sometimes, sometimes you can think back and you can think, was it really that bad? You know, like when you've been in sobriety for a while, you're like, was it really that bad? And you know what? I, as, as I've said a million times before, probably here, um, I never had a rock bottom, a traditional rock bottom, which is great because as I just said, a rock bottom is ridiculous. Rock bottom means death, right? A rock bottom is, is, is the death of the person that it involves. And the only way for people to evolve from it is the people who are affected by the, like the ripple effect of it, you know? So I'm glad that I didn't have to die for somebody else to get sober, you know? (laughs) That shouldn't be the way. That shouldn't be the thing, the thing that it is, you know? That's ridiculous. So if you're listening and you have been putting off getting sober because you haven't hit rock bottom, well, I'll tell you what, there will always be a million excuses and a million reasons not to do something. But the real reason is, the only reason that matters is that you're unhappy and there's a way for you to be happy. And there are people who are seeing you and they are picking up on just how dark your soul feels and just how heavy you feel. It's bad. It's really, really, really bad. And there is no reason to ever go back to that place. And I'm saying that to you just as much as I'm saying that to myself right now. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So. What have we learned? Rock bottom is ridiculous. Yep. So. Also. If you have been to some, like, AA meetings or have come in contact with, like, hardcore AAers or things like, or anyone, even if they don't go to AA but they truly believe, like, your sobriety is not valid, your sobriety is valid. No matter what it looks like to you, your sobriety is valid. Even if, like, the only bad thing from sobriety you have ever, or from drinking that you've ever experienced is a hangover, Your sobriety is valid in whatever context, whatever quantification, qualification you want to give it, it is valid. And it is not going to just fall out from underneath you because somebody says that you haven't had it bad enough. Let's stop waiting for disasters to happen before we make things better. Let's stop waiting for disasters to happen to 
for us to be safe, to protect ourselves, to live in a way that is freeing and empowering and awesome and not just like we're on this precipice of doom at any moment. Let's educate ourselves. Let's like just live in a way that that moves us forward and protects ourselves from from things that could harm us. Here we go. Here's insomnia. Here we go. Merry go round. Fate takes the helm and spins. G-force pins me to the metal. I'm helpless. Fate's head tips backward. Her lips curl wide as she brays into the wind. The colors whirl by me, familiar. All these places I've been before. Blurred hues of hell. Please don't stop here. I beg of fate. Please don't stop. Thanks for listening, my loves. We'll see you next week. And hopefully we'll see you at meditation class, 8 p.m. Lucid Yoga. Have a great week.